Hi, welcome to St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. My name is Stuart and it's my privilege to be the minister here. This week I want to draw your attention to our food bank. Each week on a Sunday from 1 o'clock till 2pm we collect at St Ninian's Church for the Avondale Food Bank which is based in Lark Hall. Over the past few months we've been collecting every Sunday and that continues even though we're in a level 4 lockdown at the moment. So you're welcome to come and of course observe social distancing and wear a mask but to drop off some supplies for, for people who really need our help at the moment. Over the past year as we've been going through this pandemic we've collected over 4,000 kilograms of food. That's enough to feed 200 families for a week. So thank you to everyone who has contributed and who continues to contribute. It's very, very much appreciated. So welcome. Welcome not to a place, but to an invitation. Not to a building, but to a way of engaging. Not to a service, but to a way of serving. Not to an institution, but to the path for an adventure. So let's gather and make space for all and decide to love more and to break the rules of the world with the generosity of the kingdom. And if anyone asks why or how or what does it all mean, simply use Jesus' own words. Come and see. Douglas reads for us today from John chapter 1 verses 43 to 51. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angel of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Outside, sitting under a tree, watching the world go by, looking, listening, thinking, on my own, blissful, unaware, unknowing that someone else is thinking of me. Me, sitting under a tree in the midst of this vast universe, being seen, being loved, being cared for. Me, slowly becoming aware, slowly realising that God, the maker of heaven and earth, is thinking of me. There comes a moment, at least I hope there comes a moment, when each of us realises that nobody can do this faith thing for us. It'd be good if they could. We could just 
turn up or tune in or sit back and nod, hum along to the music, mumble along to the prayers and then just go back to whatever we were doing beforehand. But here's the thing. We know that that doesn't cut it. We know. Even when we're just going through the motions, we know that there's more to it than that. Maybe we're a bit like the guy in today's story, sitting under a fig tree as the world goes by. In the world, but not really part of it. There, but not fully present. The call of the disciples speaks right into that, I think. There's a lot of finding going on. And that's an interesting word to use. Jesus finds Philip. I wonder if Philip knew he was lost. I wonder, do you? Billy Conley famously said in a Michael Parkinson interview that he didn't know he was poor growing up in the tenements of Glasgow until someone came along and told them. He was surrounded by people who lived in the same street as him, the same life as him. And so his very natural assumption was that, well, that's how everyone lives because no one had ever known anything different. But once you know that all is not as it seems, then it's very hard to forget that. To forget that newfound understanding and to go back to normal. Knowing that life can be different is more than a little unsettling. It gives rise to all kinds of questions about your life, about the way that it is. Who decided why? Could it be different? How would that happen? Is it just me that feels this way? Or does everyone else know and it was just me who was in the dark? Is that how it is with us and Jesus? We're actually quite happy sitting under a fig tree, thank you very much. But Jesus went and found Philip. And Philip went and found Nathanael. Earlier in that same passage we read that Andrew went and found his brother Simon and told him he'd found the Messiah. And after this, Jesus goes and finds the woman at the well and finds a blind man. And he tells stories about lost sheep and lost coins and lost sons. So it seems that being found is important. Maybe even important. Maybe even more important when you don't know that you were lost in the first place. But being found isn't the end of the story. It could be. Oh look, there's Nathaniel sitting under a tree. But that's not the end of the story. And thank goodness, because, well, that's a pretty rubbish story. But that's the story I think that sometimes we tell. We tell people, God loves you. And then we walk away. What help is that? What difference does that make to anyone? Of course, knowing that God loves you is important. But how would we know what that feels like or looks like? Or what difference it could make in, unless someone tells us or shows us? When someone is found in the story, that's never the end. The next thing that happens is an invitation. Come and see. Come and see Jesus. And in meeting Jesus, people meet God in the flesh. Remember, this is John's Gospel this week. John is the one who tells us that God slipped into skin and moved into the neighbourhood so that we could come face to face with God and to do that in a way that would make sense for us. Philip came from the, the same place as Andrew and Simon. Nathaniel was Philip's friend. And when Philip was introduced to Jesus, he rushed to tell his pal. He did that because he'd met the Messiah. Why wouldn't you want to tell everyone? Well, wouldn't you want to tell everyone? But we don't, do we? 
and I wonder what stops us. Perhaps we'll become used to the response that Philip gets from Nathaniel, the Messiah, from Nazareth. Really? That dump? Come on. Nothing good's ever come from there. What will our friends think of us if we start talking about God? What would they say if we tried to introduce them to Jesus? And how do you even do that? How do you meet someone who isn't here? But what if nobody had ever invited you to come and see? Who was it that invited you? And how many times had you been asked to come and see? The answer to that question perhaps takes us to the heart of the issue. What if? What would you have lost? What would you have missed out on? Does your relationship with Jesus really matter that much? And if it does, how much? Enough to encourage your family and friends to come and see? But that still leaves the question, see what? Nathaniel got to meet Jesus. And when he did, Jesus was able to tell Nathaniel that he had noticed him sitting there under his tree. He could go with Jesus and hear Jesus and see Jesus and watch him and learn from him. He was being invited to come and see what Philip had seen. But Nathaniel was also being invited into his own relationship with Jesus. I suppose we do some of that by reading the Bible and listening to things like this. We see Jesus in the stories. We learn about his teachings and we wonder about them together. And we think about how might they inform the way that we live and act and think. But we also encounter Jesus in other ways. We meet him in prayer in a quiet moment or in a mountaintop or washing the dishes. And we meet Jesus in each other. And I think that's probably the thing that gives us pause when we think about inviting other people to meet Jesus because, well, that's a huge responsibility. If I invite my friend to come and see Jesus, what I'm really saying is, come and look at me and my life and see Jesus at work in it. And to be honest, I don't want anyone looking closely at my life. We present the good bits to the world and hide the rest, stuffing it all into a cupboard so the visitors don't see. And I don't know about you, but my cupboard's pretty full. There's all kinds of stuff crammed in there from all the parts of my life, and I add to it daily. And maybe that's the problem. I'm not suggesting we should all spew out all the stuff that we've ever done, but when we pretend that everything's great and we're all immune to problems and... Well, we shouldn't be surprised when people aren't that interested in joining us. How could that ever fit in there? We've nothing in common. That's not like me. So how could Jesus be interested in me with all my mess? Or if people do come, they see quickly that we're not as perfect as we all pretend. That we don't have it all together that we have the same fears and frustrations, the same wants and desires, the same faults and failings as everyone else. Or worse, they see that we don't really believe any of this. It's all for show. None of this God stuff is reflected in who we are and the rest of our lives. So come and see. But this isn't a show, it's a participation sport. We're all in it together. Come and see. But it's not a magic trick. It's real life in all its glory with all the ups and all the downs. Come and see and enter into your own life-changing relationship with God and with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit and with each other.
Perhaps the thing the world needs to see most is the thing that we're least likely to show. That despite all of it, all the mess and all the hardship, and there's a lot of that, we're loved completely. Me sitting under my own tree in the midst of this vast universe. Me being seen. Me being loved. Me being cared for. Me slowly becoming aware. Me slowly realising that God, the maker of heaven and earth, is thinking of me. Now that's something I can invite other people to come and see. Let us pray. Reconciling God, we pray for your world. May all that is divided by doctrine or politics, class or nationality be united in your praise. We pray for a peaceful world where children grow up without fear, where security rests on trust rather than threats and where nations fight against poverty rather than against each other. We pray for all in authority, that those who lead us may establish right priorities and that by your wisdom and their vision, the world may reflect your kingdom. Healing God, we pray for those who are ill and suffering. For all who are worried, 
for those who are grieving or experiencing trauma, for a world gripped by the repercussions of pandemic. May we all know the power of Christ to sustain us and the love of friends near and distant to support us. You know our greatest fears, our longings and our hopes. Sometimes these are expressed in so many different ways. So Lord, in your mercy, hear those prayers. Eternal God, present among us, you are with us in our gathering. You are with us in our distancing. Hear our prayers and blend our voices together. Unite us by your spirit as we join together in the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray in the language of our heart. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Today we came and saw. Today, tomorrow and always, may we renew our invitation to others to come and see Jesus for themselves. And as we do, may we go in peace to love and serve the Lord in all our lives with the blessing of God Almighty. Creator, Source and Spirit with us today and always. Amen. Amen.